your heart with love today Don't play the game of time Things that happened in the past Just happened in your mind Only in your mind And welcome to another episode of Everything is Always Terrible As always, I'm your host, Rory Parker So this is uh, going to be the last episode of the year And I could not be happier about the guest That is right, it is none other than Matt fucking Warshaw my favorite surf rider in the world, surfing's only historian, the most amazing, 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 majestic man to ever grace the earth. Uh, you know, Matt fucking rips. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're aware of that. He sent me a little quick video of himself surfing the surf ranch, which I still have not been to. And uh, man, I really, really want to go. Everybody wants to go, right? But Matt just kills it. Straight off the bottom, big old steezy current stall, big old barrel, um, comes out and then kind of comes unstuck. It was pretty funny. It looked like he was a little little overexcited because it was a good tube ride. So I've been trying to get Matt on the show for quite a while now. Um, you know, I've been hassling him every time I talk to him about it, and he always says no because he hates public speaking. And I understand that, and it didn't mean I was going to stop asking, but I can respect the no. Um, although I suppose if you respect a no, you don't ask again. And that's something that our society is currently learning. But it's not like I'm sexually harassing the guy uh, yet. So Matt, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure you're aware of this, but the Encyclopedia of Surfing um, did a fundraiser to keep himself you know, on the internet airwaves or whatever you want to call it, the tubes. And man, he was looking for 30 grand, hit it in 10 days. That 30 grand kept going. Blast I saw, he hit 50K, but it was still going. So, you know, who knows how much Matt's going to make off of this, but it's enough. Um, you know, maybe not quite enough to justify, you know, the years of hard effort and uh, all that good stuff, but enough to make sure he keeps doing it. And that's really what I'm worried about. Matt needs to keep doing the Encyclopedia of Surfing because it makes the world a better place, because it preserves surfing stories, because it just needs to fucking exist. And you need to go log on to encyclopediasurfing.com right now and sign up for your $3 a month subscription. You know, I mean, it's it's not a lot of money, dude. Three bucks a month, $36 a year. It gives you access to, uh, you know, the Encyclopedia of Surfing, Above the Roar, uh, and other stuff. Just, just so much interesting, cool shit. And if you're into the history of surfing, it's awesome. If you write about surfing in general, it's an invaluable resource. Um... We need to keep Matt going. This year's taken care of. He's going to have to do it again next year. So let's you know take a little bit of a burden off of him and you know, let's get those reoccurring subscriptions going so he can just kind of just chill, just work, just just do what he wants to do, what we want him to do, what we need him to do. Man, this was this was a, a very fun one for me. You know, the, the whole point of this podcast is for me to have conversations with people who I, I find interesting or that I admire. Um, and and Matt is you know both interesting and. I have a lot of admiration for the guy. You know, I, I, I grew up reading his, his stuff in Surfer. I, you know, he, he's one of the reasons why I do this stupid career. So, yeah, fucking Matt. I love Matt, man. Uh, you know, we, had, we had a fun time talking. We, we didn't really talk about surfing very much, but, you know, I never do. Uh, we did we did talk about wave pools. Um, we talked about the victory lap of him you know, getting all his money. We talked about our anxieties, our neuroses, his fear of public speaking, Talked about the South Bay, where he grew up, where I also you know, spent a good portion of my childhood. Talked about being a nerd. Talked about writing about surfing. We talked about being supported by our wives and how you know insane that support is and how that enables both of us to do what we do. Not to compare what I do to what he does, because he is much better than I am. We talked about fatherhood. Um, man, all sorts of cool stuff. You know, this, this is a good one, and you will enjoy it. And uh, you know, let's just start it. Here we go. 
let's do it. Jump in. Jump in, Roy. Let's, uh, let's well, hey, I've been recording since you picked up. Yeah, okay, cool. So, um, I owe so, you an apology because, I don't know, what was it, you know, a year or two years ago, I said, if I ever do a podcast, you're, you're my first guy. And I broke that promise, and I know that you were being sweet about it last week, but I'm, I, I want to say I'm sorry. I, I went back on my word, and, and I hope I hope we can make this podcast good enough to make up to make up for um for me for me going on without you. Dude, honestly, um, I think this worked out for the best because you got to do it a couple times, get a little bit more comfortable, and I'm stoked to be doing the victory lap. I'm I'm in practice right now. Yeah, you know that that's true. I was. You know, last week when I was doing them, I was, um, uh, I was, you know, teetering on the on the on the precipice. And now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed. I mean, two two nights ago, I went out and it was like a first time I'd exhaled in six months or eight months. You know, and I, I walked up and bought a semi-pricey bottle of champagne. And when Jody came home, we uh, we opened it and and sit around sat around talking. And I, as we usually do. And, with champagne, I drained seven eighths of the bottle, and Jody had some, and I I felt like this just massive weight, you know, was was lifted off my my shoulders because the you know the fundraiser worked, and not only did I raise the money to save Encyclopedia of Surfing, but it you know it came from it came from surfers, it came from there, there was no white knight had to come in and save me, and by white knight I guess I mean you know a a company or a corporation or even a a rich person, you know, the bulk of that money that I just brought in to, to for for the site was was five and ten and twenty five dollar donations from just people all over the place, and and I'm thrilled about that. I'm so stoked. Well, and that's got to be validating too, because you know this is the history of surfing. Should I mean I mean it belongs to you writing it, but it belongs to surfers as a whole, not to any sort of no, not to any one brand. Yeah, you know, and, and I know that I know that no brand was ever going to, if they were going to give me money, they wouldn't attach any strings to it. I wouldn't have to, you know, bend history to get a ten thousand dollar check from somebody. But just having brands, you know, if I did have a presenting sponsor or something, I, I just think it looks weird. If I, I like that, there's zero advertising on there, and you know, it, it clearly isn't a, a site that's that's um, being anything other than it is, which was you know a, an aging guy sitting in a, um, in his guest room in, in Seattle, you know, banging this stuff out. It doesn't. It, it looks like a small thing for for all of us, and and that's that's I'm I'm thrilled about that. It doesn't look like a product of the of the surf industry. Oh, and you picked up all the money in ten days, right? About that. I hit the- well, no, I I hit the goal in ten days, and then it was pretty strange. I I I did not expect this. I thought as soon as I say, like I did on Monday, um, thanks everybody. The you know we've met the goal in ten days, and EOS is saved. And I thought the the whole thing was just going to quietly go away, and and you know another um, I got a whole wave of of subscriptions and and donations. After that, so it just sort of kept going, and today is really the first day that it's it's really tailed off. But um, I don't know, you know, maybe that's just because people were, I think, stoked that it happened and just wanted to sort of come in and and throw some money at it just to be part of it. it 
I don't know. You know, I, I'm still kind of I'm still kind of analyzing and trying to figure out what happened and and also try not to overthink it. But I do think it's an interesting time. And you and I have been kind of in the front row of this thing, watching it and, and participating. But, you know, surf media is in a really fluxy state right now. And um, when I first put the paywall up and said I'm going to charge for this, there was in some quarters, you know, some some outrage like and I feel like that's kind of gone. People may not want to sign up now, but people I think are getting used to the idea that um, surf media is changing and, and it's not going to be for free um, if it's if it's worthwhile. Or I, I don't know. I shouldn't say that there is still a lot of free surf media, but it's it doesn't seem so outlandish. I feel like just in the past few months, maybe partly because of what I'm doing, it doesn't seem quite so outlandish to have a subscription service that um, does what my thing does. So I don't know. It feels like the ground's kind of changing under under our, our feet. Um, certainly, it's a lot different from when I was working at Surfer, you know, back in the late 80s. Um, and I'm stoked to be here at this age still um, being part of it in, in, in any way, much less feeling like I'm kind of accidentally on the on the edge of something yeah yeah I, what i think a lot of it is is um <clears throat> excuse me like i mean what the internet's changed is that people you know the audience can engage people you know like people and people totally. everybody everybody likes to feel like they're part of something right right and you know i grew up reading every magazine on earth and cover to cover and it was just like okay like i want to be a i want to be a part of this man like this is my goal i want to be a part of this and, you know, when it was, okay, you'd write a letter to the editor or something, it's everybody was a little bit on the outside. But now with the internet, you can, you know, straight engage by, you know, horribly insulting the people who've written stuff. Or, like, in your case, actually support it. Because, you know, right. I don't, to be totally honest, outside of, like, acting as a consultant, you know, for, like, you know, a media consultant, because older people with money like surfing, you know, it's going to be hard to monetize the, the history of surfing. But if people yeah. see it as like what it, what I think that it is, it's you're providing a service. You're the only person really preserving this stuff. Literally, I mean, literally the only person doing it, and that's that's worth that's worth paying for. That's worth supporting. Well, yeah, there's the preservation side of it, which I didn't emphasize in the beginning, and I've come around to realizing I need to do more of. Um, and and that's just such a boring pitch, you know. Please help me preserve surf. But it's it's also true. That is, I mean, part of the stuff I'm doing. I'm about to post right now an article from uh, an old magazine called Peterson's Surfing, which is not the surfing that we knew and loved that just folded recently. It was a different surfing magazine that was around for like three years. And I'm going to post an article that ran in 1968, and I think it's the article that coined the phrase shortboard revolution, right? So I've always kind of wondered where that came from. And I just, you know, I, I thought this is the article. This is where, where that phrase comes from. And I can make a fun little thing and I'm, I'm going to reproduce the article and do a little rap about the guy who invented the, the phrase and that article which again is now 50, 49 years old, if I don't scan that and 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 um, you know make a file out of it and then post it, it's gone because nobody has Peterson's Surfing Magazine, no, I mean, even collectors have it but so I feel good that I'm able to it feels good to be able to sort of take some of this stuff that's, um, I don't want to say important, but 
it is sort of how we got to where we are now. And I can say, well, this is where that phrase comes from. And here's the guy that invented it. And he happens to be an ex-Marine who had a crew cut. And isn't that cool that this guy was hip enough to, you know, to invent this phrase, short revolution that we still use. And he was pushing this whole thing eight months before John Severson and Surfer was doing it because Surfer was getting all heavy pressured from Hobie and the rest of them. So it, it like, it feels good to be able to do that. But, but you're right. I mean, it's still history and it's still an encyclopedia. And I think anyone that hears those words, it's, it's the opposite of sexy, you know? So I do have to, I'm constantly aware that I need to be, be entertaining out there and all the little video clips that I, Put out, or most of them at least, are are at least designed with half an eye toward. Can I just hold your attention for two minutes while I show you a video of, um, you know, the ten best nose riders of 1965, or if I show you a video of you know surfers smoking cigarettes through the years, or a video of boards flying off cars. So I'm really aware of my role, um, not just of being an archivist but also having to entertain. And that's a tricky line to walk, you know, but that's what you have to do, I think, in this thing. And, and like you were, the other really important thing you were saying is, yeah, there's this little community and people, maybe it's mostly older surfers, but anyone who sort of cares about surf history, my thing's never going to be too big that I can't respond to, like, directly to anyone that reaches out to me and has a question or has a comment, you know, whether it's on my side or, or Facebook or or Twitter or Insta, you know, a, a third of my day right now is just spent engaging with people. And that's actually part, the best part about still working in 2017 as opposed to 1987, which is more or less when I started. And it's, a, all, it's always for me going to be about, from now on, this small community of surfers. And by small, I mean, you know, somewhere between I don't know, you know, two and 10,000 or something. But I don't, EOS does ne never needs to take over the surf media world the way surfer used to want to take over the surf media world. Well, and uh, <clears throat> so how's this little, the, the little press junket worked for your uh, fear of public speaking? Cause I know that's pretty rough for you. It, yeah. Well, see it, 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 what we're doing right now is in between, right? I mean, it's a podcast, so I don't have to look at anybody, which is always kind of weird. Um, and um, I'm still getting used to having to speak sort of on command like we're doing, but I've got this little, I've got this little routine. It's it's my it's the Queen Anne speedball. I just I just take um, I make sure I had a nap earlier today, so I'm rested. <laughs> and then I take um, I think it's 30 megs of beta blockers, which you know just stomp down your adrenaline response. And then which is a little bit of a sedative also. And then I and then I bring myself back up with the with the triple espresso. So and it's funny I've just kind of over the past couple months through a lot of trial and error figured out how I can sit here and do this without without my brain kind of freezing like like if I if I'm talking to you even if it's um just as it is now I, I'm really capable of getting anxious enough where my brain kind of does like it's like the hanging beach ball on a Mac computer screen like I'm looking for a word and I can't find it and then all of a sudden I, I kind of can't talk mm -hmm. so I seem to I seem to have conquered that with these podcasts and who knows, you know, maybe someday I'll be able to um, get up in front of people and talk, but I don't, I don't know if I need to worry about that. I'm, I'm pretty happy to not 
to not be out there too much. Um, I do. I, that that being said, the the podcasts I've done, these have all been really fun. I've really enjoyed them. So mm. yeah. Yes, yeah, I, I can't. I I love public speaking. It is it is. You, oh yeah, because I, I get like nervous and sick to my stomach and terrified. But like but the you moment you dig it. Oh, I love it. It's it's the having a captive audience and people listening to me is. I, I just I get it's such I get such a thrill from it. So, what's the most people you think you've spoken in front of? Um, but funnily enough, back in high school during I did model UN. Oh yeah, yeah. And, did you really? Cool. Yeah, yeah. I was modeling. I still got my name on the wall apparently at Maricosta for winning some award. Right. So wait, we have to we have to come back to this because I want to talk to you about Costa in a second. But so mm-hmm. you so you got up in front of what a I mean a few hundred kids or a hundred kids. It was yeah. It was in um it was in Washington D.C. the General Assembly. So yeah, a couple hundred kids I think. Fuck the General Assembly. So model UN, you actually get to go into the General Assembly. Well, no, no, no. I mean, this is no, no, not the real General Assembly. They like they break it down like as though you're in right. each whatever group. And I, I don't even remember what my country was or anything. I do remember I met Chelsea Clinton because, um, you know, we were the same age. Right. And, uh, and then everything else is kind of lost in the fog of the last 25 years or so. But the point is you, you got up with notes and looked out and didn't freak. You just did your thing. Oh, no, I got up and I, I was just bullshitted. Like really? it, it was high school kids. Yeah, I was right. good at it. I'd listen to what the other kids who worked hard said, and then I would just kind of take notes and then go up and just kind of talk because I've always I did figure out relatively young if you speak with confidence people right. just they believe you right like that's the the key to coming across as an expert is I mean we're watching it with like politics right now it's just you can say the stupidest right. thing on earth right. but right. if you right. look someone in the eye and you say it with strength it becomes fact you know it's funny because right about so I don't know you were probably eighteen when you did that when I was eighteen in junior in uh, junior college at El Camino Junior College which you did you go to El Camino ever. Uh, I went for like a semester, I think. So I went, I went for one semester to El Camino and I had to do, I had to do a five minute public speaking thing in front of a class. And I, to this day, I remember walking out of that class, this was in 1979 going, I'm never going to do that again. I hated it. So like my, my first experience with that was just the opposite of yours. I just felt, um, I was just felt chilled and you know, I, I've never really done it since. So that's interesting. But but let's go back to South Bay because you want to talk a little bit about that. I, it's in my notes, of course I do. Yeah, yeah, and and so your uh, uncle is my friend um, Kenny McLellan, right? That's correct. Like that? Yeah, and so he is your mom's brother. No, okay. So I have a very interesting family situation. I don't know if you knew his little sister Lori, but I don't remember. Okay, so my father's sister Patrice married Kenny McLellan. My, her friend Lori McClellan married my father Bill Parker. Wow! So brothers and sisters cool. married each other. So they're my like kind of my step family, but more but tighter than that. Yeah. It's an interesting situation. And I and, and so I haven't seen or talked to Kenny forever, but he was the Kenny was first of all he was a really good surfer, super powerful. Really, he, he was sort of a squat little nuggety guy, and he was a goofy footer, and he just ripped, and he was really quiet. And everybody liked him. And I hope you're going to tell me that he's still alive and surfing and happy and all that. kind. Of. I haven't seen him for 30-something years. Um, uh, yeah, he, he hasn't changed much. I mean, he's still like the coolest man on earth. I, I don't right. think he surfs very often anymore. I think he uh, he moved away from that, I think, a while ago. Oh, God. Um, what, what? Sense. A lot of us do. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, as much as I love surfing, I'm always a little bit astounded by the people who manage to just hang on to the, you know, like just, oh, yeah. you know, just being on the North Shore this last week with uh, Mike Ciaramello, who's 24, and he is just so amped to get in the water every day, oh, I and I am not. Did he tell you that he and I surfed together a couple weeks ago? Uh, yeah, I wasn't really sure if we're supposed to talk about that. Didn't you guys all sign a non-disclosure agreement? No, we're not. We're not. But let's hold on. Let me. I want to come back to the moving away from surfing thing. But first, do you do you get back to? Uh, were you in Manhattan Beach or Hermosa? Uh, well, Hermosa Beach. Right. So, did you get back to South Bay ever? Uh, you know, I I lived there till I was twenty eight. I I go back occasionally. Right. You know. I, I I do it's you know I guess it's it's kind of my hometown but I, I got I really like Hawaii you know this yeah. is I consider this my home now I don't I don't really get homesick yeah. I'll occasionally like I, I went, recently went back for a good friend's wedding and I'll kind of say hi to everybody and then I, I disappear after three four days and don't talk to people for a long time yeah, yeah I I wouldn't I wouldn't move back there but I it feels it definitely feels like home when I fly into LAX. Because I grew up, you know, I was in Venice first, but then I spent, you know, high school years and stuff in Manhattan Beach. It it feels like home. My brother still lives there, um, and I I wouldn't move move back. But I'm really glad I I'm really glad I grew up there, especially when I did. I have the, I have really great memories of uh, of Miracosta and of South Bay, and and um, again, you know, I don't want to. I, I never was gonna. I don't think I was ever gonna be the guy that stayed stayed forever. And I left when I was I think 23. But but I have. Uh, just a big soft place in my heart for for south bay yeah it's a it's it's an i've been gone for about 10 years now and it's it's interesting going back and seeing you know how similar everything is but from a little bit more of a adult perspective right right because you know people people my age are still all punk rocked out and stuff and it's like man we're yeah. We're middle-aged guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like you're, you're yeah. on the cover of the Easy Reader barfing on somebody on 4th of July. Like, oh, man. <laughs> hey, Roy, I got the cover of Easy Reader this week. Oh, that's awesome. I, my first time, I know. And and uh, they they were good enough to do a – maybe it was last week. Um, but they did a whole story about me and, you know, fundraising for the – doing the, for the campaign and everything. And um, – it, it was funny because I finally got the cover of Easy Reader, which, I, you know, if you grew up there, that was, God, I just want the cover so bad. And and they used a picture of me that they ran an Easy Reader from 1975. <laughs> and so it was a picture of me and Purpose, Mike Purpose and and uh, Mike Benavides and the Levy, the Levy brothers. We were all getting ready to go to, um, we were all getting ready to go to uh, Texas, of all places, for the 1975 U.S. Championships. And um, they all posed us down at Hermosa Beach Pier, and Purpose is holding his Rock Hill Welch airbrushed board, and my hair is down to my biceps, you know. And and um, it's this old photo that I've treasured, you know, that I that they ran, <laughs> they ran. So I made the cover, but the, the photos, uh, the photo is fifty or forty-two years old. <laughs> but it was it was kind of a rush, still. It was like you know, you never kind of really move beyond your hometown newspaper. <laughs> well, you worked Kevin at a Cody, still the editor. He's been the, he, Kevin Cody's been the editor there for, I don't know how long, but God, you know, he, he's been, he's got some stamina that guy. Yeah. Him and it's, it's, I feel like everybody, like people I went to high school with kind of transitioned through as writers and it's, it's, a, it's an interesting little local, uh, local, what's the word institution. Yeah. And, and it didn't get bought, you know. It's too. It was like too small to buy or something. And it's still, it's still kind of what it was, um, 
from back when when we were young, and I'm 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 stoked about that. I like you know I like things to not change too much. Yeah, but the, man, like the peer situation is real different. And uh, how, how so? Well, just you know, they developed it, and it, it, it's strange being at the Hermosa Pier. And oh no, yeah, the, no, Hermosa Pier is a different beast completely from when I was from when I was young. Yeah. Yeah, no, they just fancy they just they just fancied it up. They time squared it, didn't oh, they? Oh yeah, and and then it, how many people surf Hermosa now? Because Hermosa was you know the, I mean not that it doesn't get good sometimes, but most of the time I felt like I was riding my bike or skateboarding up to El Porto. And you know, my dad lives on Twenty Fourth Street, so he's down there I think, pretty much every day of the year at this point. And it was a trip last time I went back, and he was trying to badger me into paddling out with him. And it, there's like forty people in the water between Sixteenth Street and Twenty Fourth. It's like wow. Like, this is terrible, guys. <laughs> this is, yeah, this I, is not good surf. I don't understand. I feel like I feel like uh, when when I was younger, Hermosa in, in the '60s too. But in the '60s and '70s, Hermosa broke pretty regularly. Then it seemed like there was a long time, for whatever reason, the sand did something. I mean, a long time, like ten or fifteen years, where it was just a shore break and it was terrible. Like it was just right on the beach. That might have been when you were surfing there, and the surf was still pretty good in Manhattan. But now I guess Hermosa has become a, a surf break again. Um, so yeah. yeah, good. You know, more waves. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I suppose I mean there's still people doing like you know surfing the break wall to prepare for Hawaii, thinking that it's similar, even though it is absolutely fucking not. Well, I, I agree with you to an extent, although I, I don't know. I don't think I ever had an experience in Hawaii anywhere that was to me as terrifying as jumping off the rocks on a huge swell at, at the breakwater, which I did because did you ever surf breakwater when it was big and yeah, but I never jumped off the rocks. I paddled around from like on the other side of Chart House. Oh no, yeah. So I I don't know I don't know what it was. It was almost like a dare thing. There's all those people sitting on the break wall, and um, it was just it was just kind of the thing. You had to you had to you know march single file march down the, that little track along the along the breakwater. And you know, and time that thing just right, and get out in between sets, and it was it was horrifying. And I still watch video like now, old or new, of guys doing that. And it's like it's like a ten yard scramble. It's not like three rocks, bump, 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 and you're in the water. So there were a lot of times where you'd see guys like a little cluster of guys like going down, picking their way down the rocks, and all of a sudden there'd be a whistle, you know, and you see that same cluster just turn around and walk back up the wall, and then. You had to go back down the wall because you know the wave would kind of churn along the breakwater and stuff, and it was a nightmare. And I, <laughs> I, I hated, I hated doing that. And I also didn't, you know, the wave was tricky too. It was that weird wedge, that moving wedge kind of thing. And I just remember the breakwaters being kind of a closeout, but with a with a with a, a lump in the middle of it that you could sort of ride it left for a while. But it, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I just never got it on a really really good day. But I just. Um, I went and surfed it because you had to if you were, you know, if you were anybody. Um, but I don't think I ever really enjoyed it that much. Ah, but that's kind of bigger surf in the South Bay in general, I think. Because, totally. you know, like pictures of Hammerland. Oh, it looks so good. That's just a closeout. And even, closeout. even El Porto, I still see occasionally it's like, oh, El Porto perfection. It's like, well, you know, I don't see a thousand people in the water. So I'm right. going to bet after that one thousandth of a second, it just went right. womp for the next five miles. 
And then, of course, you know, there we were. There we were, 15 minutes from a really good big wave break, and no one want the, no one wanted to go up to the hill and surf, you know, Renata right. or anything like that. I, I mean, I, I never had the guts to go surf those good those waves, really. I, yeah, I surfed. Uh, I think the last time I surfed uh, Palos Verdes was we surfed to the Cove, and some guy, yeah. some guy on a longboard tried to fight me. Yeah. But I, I was at like height of shit talking punk, and I think I just went right back at him, and then we left later. Right, right, right. See, that's you know all that stuff, all that all that posturing and all that shit. That's that's like when I to get back to this notion, like that, like what I things things that I don't miss about surf was even if I never fought. I don't. I've never been in a fight. I haven't been in a fight since like grade school, you know. Um, but what I remember about and I, I surfed mostly every day for, you know, 40 years or either I either surfed or had the option to surf up until we moved up here. But I just remember it was just this constant um, thing where you're kind of having to sort of take measure of every other guy in the lineup and figure out how you could get, you know, basically work around him or intimidate him uh, or, or that some way. Cause, cause it was just, this constant thing where how do I um, cheat this guy out of how do I get more waves than I essentially deserve you know and and man that's a, that's a tough thing to stay on top of especially as you get older you know and into my 40s it was just getting harder and harder to maintain that aggression and, and, and again I never fought and I, I rarely got in any kind of yelling thing but it was kind of this alertness bordering bordering on aggression and certainly trying to be cunning, you know, that I, I found to be kind of a burden after I couldn't, I didn't want to keep going out, paddling out, trying to figure out how do I get more than more ways than I probably deserve. Um, so that was an easy part of surfing for me to let go. Mm. It's you know I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. What you mean. It's, I mean, that's why I love living on an outer Island because you know, you don't fucking drop in on people here. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's just right. not done. So you know, every- Every time you paddle out, anyone is sort of in the lineup has a really good sense of where they are in the hierarchy. Is that right? Uh, yeah, well, people have said that. I don't know. Like, I'm not the world's best surfer at all. Like, I, I think I'm. I'm. I think I'm very good in the ocean. But like performance wise, I'm, I'm a. I'm an above average surfer. Because that's why I write about surfing. It's also about how big you are and who and who you know. And I mean, it's all, all, but like, do you have a few local places that you go? Do you sort of roam around? Uh, no, I have my little my little spots that I hit up most of the time, just because, because mainly because I'm spoiled. Yeah, you know? like I don't I don't have like this drive to you know constantly go seek out the best waves because I can just be patient and grab good days here and there and then, you know, because I can travel a little bit. Like you know, I went to Nicaragua and. You know, surfed once in two weeks, but it was firing. This absolutely right. perfect, well overhead left hand point break, and you know, just living in Hawaii, it wasn't quite as intimidating to me as I think it was for some other people out there. And being able to sit deep and just pick off sets is. Were you surfing the? Uh, were you surfing the place right next to the, the golf resort there? It was. I mean, what was the name of it? Uh, Manzanillo, like Apple, right? Playa Manzanillo was the name of it. I don't know. Um, by, by, uh, by Playa, fuck, Gigante. And I'm drawing yeah. a blank right now. Yeah. Anyway, I I, I might have served the same place. It's it's great. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a ledgy good way, good left. Um, I don't know. Yeah. No. But you know, it, so so I, I always kind of you know the better that I understood my position and everybody else's position it was great. But if I ever, like, I still have I have friends who will still surf Rincon or Malibu or even or even lowers. I can't imagine at this point you know going out and and 
and trying to find my way in that in that lineup. You know, it worked when it, it, it always worked because I was really good at making friends with um, whoever the guys were at the very top of the pecking order, which, again, wasn't necessarily skill. It was just who was the brawniest or who was the craziest or who was the guy with the most seniority. And, you know, I would I always knew those people and they, they mostly liked me. And, you know, I, I would keep up a rap with someone I would at lowers, for example, it was like, um Okay, are you going left on this one? And I'd, they'd say yeah, and I would, I would paddle right to their side, and I would go right. So you could learn how to play a crowd in a way where you could, where you could kind of get waves. But God, you know that was, that was like high level surfing calculus, you know. And I've forgotten all of that, and I don't want to relearn it. And so I'm, I'm just getting back to saying, like, you know, this whole retirement thing that I've sort of into, or semi-retirement, whatever, it suits me fine because I that trying to keep up with all that stuff and, and was was hard as I got older. Well, and, and I, I, I completely get it because people, guys like you know, like Nick Carroll, who is just still like a frothing kid. Right, I, right. I, I, man, it's like surfing's so weird because like as, as like, I mean, it's such a huge part of me. It's who I am. And I just, I kind of vacillate between loving it and then just despising it. And yeah, and yeah, and it's like, and I can't really get away from surfing, but I, I take breaks. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely, I take breaks from the act, and that's you know, I, I just love I, more and more as I get older. I love being in the ocean. So yeah, I'll spend right. a month just diving or body surfing. Um, right. You know, like even it's like, oh, the waves will be good by me, but I'll me and my buddy will grab his boat and go drive down to the south shore and go dive instead because, right. you know, maybe because I'm still progressing at that a little bit more. Like surfing, I, I don't know how much better I'm going to get moving forward. So, I find that that's the other that's the other really big thing that there was I, I think that I was either um, for real getting better or at least able to kid myself all the way through my almost almost all the way through to my mid 40s like I could keep seeing where I was doing things that maybe I wasn't doing a couple of years earlier or at least maybe it was in my head and there was a point maybe at about 46 or 47 where I was really it was really aware that I was at best, I'd leveled out and was more, more likely, in fact, starting to tail off. And and uh, I, I never, I, can't, I couldn't get right with that. And even at 57, I can't get right with it. So every time I do, um, every time I am faced with some good waves and I've got a good board, like, like I went to Nicaragua twice last year, it's, it's, uh, it's it's almost difficult. There were great waves, and all I wanted to do was see if I could surf as well or or even better as I did when I was at my peak, which is which is insanity. You know, you can't. And I haven't been able to. So when you're saying like with your diving, where to be able to measure, to be able to know that you're still getting better at it, is is great. That you know, I think that's that's a huge part of what kept surfing interesting to me for so long. Because I was kind of slow, I was always a slow learner, but I was steady. So I just kind of kept learning new stuff, and I think improving for for a long, long, long time. And when it became obvious that wasn't the deal anymore, um, I had to let it, you know, let it go. Well, you know what I tend to do, and I, I kind of suspect you might too, Matt, is uh, I, I obsess over things. Totally, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah something will, something will catch my eye, and like, I just like, you know, I, I pick up weird hobbies like yo-yos and 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 juggling, and I'll just do it and do it and do it and do it until I like, you know, you hit that wall to like get better, and it's like ah, I don't want to, I don't want to get any better. I'm gonna pick up a new thing, and right. and yeah, I mean that's why I think it's yeah, right because I'm assuming you just 
you strike me as the type of person who just lived and breathed like improving your yeah. surfing, right? Yeah, I did. And you know, the other thing that happened is, you know, that, that all happened. So I'm, and I'm incredibly grateful for that, um, that weird character trait as, as, as you probably are as well. Cause it get, it'll, it'll, it helps out in a lot of things. I mean, I think I was able to build the websites because of the same thing. I, that was an obsession that I haven't even come close to working my way through. And I'm just so stubborn about the things that I want to do. So I'm going to continue to work on this website. I, I think until, you know, until I'm done, but I mean, by done meaning dead, <laughs> but you know, surfing. Yeah. I, I just fell into it completely and I loved it for so long. And it, at some point, maybe in my thirties, I thought, this is great. I'm going to do this forever. But I had to acknowledge that there was sort of a cost to doing it. In fact, that's what led me to leave Surfer Magazine was because I just turned 30 and realized I'd never been really outside of Southern California. I traveled a little bit, but, you know, I hadn't been to New York. I hadn't been anywhere. I hadn't been anywhere inland and suddenly kind of thought, God, I'm, I'm probably missing out on, on something. And, and then, you know, you jump forward another 15 years and I was in my 40s thinking, God, I've you know, I, I'd like to get married. I, I'd like to have a family. I'd like to be able to do, and and I won't blame surfing for that. I would blame my own um, hyper focus. But I needed to get out of thinking surfing. You know, I think in order to, you know, to become a, a husband and, and then later a father. So um, it's a it's a blessing and a curse. I think to to have the kind of focus that that I've had and I think that you have too. Um, so I just try to kind of control it now and, and having surfing out of as not be at the very fore, um, I'm better able to control when I'm obsessive and when I'm not like when I pull the computer down to go pick up Teddy, uh, at, you know, at five o'clock from uh, after school care, I'm done with this. I, I most, most days I'm done with it and then I can be with him and that's what I want to want to do. And then when I drop them off in the mornings, this is what I want to do. And surfing was so, um, you, I was never able to do that. You're kind of on call like all the time, right? You know, I mean, so someone says it's good and, and I, I had to drop what I was doing and go. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think a cost of that, I mean, something I've been working through, but with that obsessiveness is because so much you do is like real inward looking and, and really, I mean, honestly, self, self-involved, self-absorbed. Right. Right. As the the social anxiety that it like kind of breeds to where you're just, you know, you're so used to being locked in your own head, thinking about your own stuff. It's tough to like, remember other people have perspectives and you're not as important to them as, as you are to yourself. Right. Right. Like my wife, you know, my wife more or less forced me into therapy a few months back. Right. And man, just kicking and fucking screaming. Like I did not want to do it, dude. Like, did not, and she managed to like kind of paint me into a corner, and so so I had to. And did you um, go together, or did you go by yourself? No, I go by myself. No, yeah, no, this is that. I think that's that works better. Yeah, the, the couples thing doesn't work. Yeah, I don't. I well, in our relationship is pretty happy. It's more I have, you know, admittedly, I have some social anxiety issues, and I definitely had. I am getting better. Some rage issues and stuff, and you know, it's it's crazy. Like it's crazy how helpful it is talking to somebody who you just don't really know at all, and. Um, my dog so talking to somebody you don't really know at all and and it's like realizing like fuck man all these barriers i put up to protect myself are stupid dude like i'm not a little kid anymore i don't need to protect myself like i can 
be open and engage people and, and, you know, not, not really worry about stuff because, you know, I guess what's this, you know, I'm good enough. Yeah. That, well, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the therapy that I did, um, got two or two or three different times in my life. I went in for probably a year each time. And, um, it's really hard for me to put my finger on what I got out of it. And I've been on, you know, I've been on, I've been on, um, anti-anxiety meds for a long, long time as well. But, I think the important thing is is that you realize that there's you know there's just work to be done and improvement to be made, and just coming to grips with that idea is hard when you're young. You don't you don't want to think about that. You don't want to think that you need it, and just acknowledging that you do need it, and whether it's therapy or or meds or just knowing that the most important thing is to have uh, two or three people in your life that you can talk shit over with. Mm-hmm. Um, is is hugely important, and, and those are things that I feel like I didn't really, I wasn't aware of in, until my 30s. Because you, you you think you've got it figured out. You're 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 young. You're healthy. You're doing something you love. What what more could there be? And no, there's a whole lot more. You 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 haven't even started. You know. Yeah. Well, and um, it's like this is this is just who I am. You know, it's like well, it's just who I am. But the more negative aspects, I don't know if the people who are close to me need to really shoulder that burden. Right. But, you know, so that thing where you, you, you kind of accept that this stuff is you're, you're never going to d- defeat it, but you're going to learn how to manage it. And again, there's stuff that sounds so basic and, and simple, and it's until it's, you've applied it to yourself, until you've kind of come to this understanding about it. It doesn't. It just sounds like sort of cliche stuff. But you know, you, you're not going to defeat the, the parts in you that are that you mentioned, you know, the rage and all that. But you will learn how to you'll learn how to manage it, mm-hmm. and that's. And that's what counts. Can you hang on just one second, man? My dog is deciding to lose his shit for no reason right now. I'm going to lock yeah, him in the yeah, other room. One moment. Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. Good. We're good. Okay. So then let's um, yeah, let's move a little bit away from my <laughs> social anxiety. Um, so, uh, okay. So Mike, Mike Ciaramella said something very funny to me uh, when he was dropping me off at the airport on Oahu. And he's like, what is exactly? But he's like, you know, like I, I notice, like it's like so many of you guys. It's like your wives are the primary breadwinners. Like you're supported by your wives because I mean, there's me and you and Chaz and I think Derek to a certain extent. I'm sure I'm missing somebody else. And he's like, I don't understand how you guys like you know how you found that. And he's like, and then I kind of realized that's the only way to make it work, isn't it? And I was like, Yeah, I, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's kind of the only long term situation we have here. I, I've had for God. You know, a, a really long time, people will email or call or pull me aside and say, I want to, you know, I want to do something similar to what you're doing. Can I talk to you about it? And I, I'm always happy to do so. But the first thing I'll, I'll do is try to sort of, in a sense, talk them out of it because, um, and, I, and you know, I do that effectively by saying, look, this is how much money I earn and I'm, I'm 57 or, or I'm 47 or I'm 37. The, the amount's never been very much. And furthermore, um, I've had this series, this lifelong series of what feels like lucky breaks. And I, know, I have worked really hard. When I get a break, I'll take it and I'll make the most of it. But so many things happen right for me. Just just the fact of being born in Southern California and growing up knowing people who I knew and surfing where I did and making connections that I did that allowed me to become a pro surfer and also 
allowed me to know people that were in surf media. Like every step of the way, I, I felt like I was getting a, a boost somehow, you know. And nobody else, you, you can't replicate. You can't tell someone follow, follow this, follow in my lead, and you'll be fine. So I will say there's there's very little money in it. Uh, I had a I had an amazing amount of luck along the way, and all of that aside. I, even even with all those advantages, I still wouldn't be able to say I'm sit here and doing what I'm doing for the past uh, coming up on 13 years now. You know, if I hadn't uh, met and married someone who is willing to put up with the amount of money that's you know coming in and 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 the amount of time it takes. So. Um, uh, I, you know, so I'm, I'm, so yeah, that is that's all true. But I, I also want to say that you know when when Teddy was born um, eight years ago, in a sense, this whole came this all kind of went back in my favor because Jody had to go back to work in publishing, and um, you know, from the minute we brought him back home from the hospital, it was me who was going to when he was ready for it, you know take him to daycare and take him to school and take him to get his shots and take him to soccer and stuff. And I was thrilled to do all that. So, um, primary caregiver, I guess is the phrase, but that's, you know, we, we're both definitely equal partners in parenting our, our kid, but that, you know, the daily hands on is, is me because Jody's the breadwinner in the family. And, Everybody, you know, you make it work all these different ways, and, and we're living in a time where that, that that can happen. But you know, you can't advise. I can't. I can't in good conscience. I, I joke about it, but you can't really tell someone as a career, you know, counselor, make sure you marry someone who will support you, right? So, right. Very well. <laughs> very well. You know, so good for good for the four four of us that you just mentioned. Um, but it seems kind of fluky. Although you know, maybe anyone who didn't do that just isn't even in the running. There might be. You know, there could be six guys on the on the uh, beach grit thread right now who would be surf media gods if they'd only married someone who would support them. There's, you know, there's a lot of great writers out there and some really clever, funny people that we don't hear more from because who knows why they didn't come up with they didn't they didn't hit the lottery like we did, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like I I mean. I feel like I earned my keep because I, I'm I'm the wife, right? Like in the role. I mean, I don't know. Do you do you play the housewife role too? Do you do the shopping and the tidy yeah, up? Yeah, and no. we have it. It's all divvied up pretty. But I I do go shopping. She still Jody still does the cooking. But yeah, we've got it all divvied up. But my, my put it this way: my day is full, her day is full, and I don't think either one of us resents the other. I did get a deadline from Jody to make EOS pay for itself. Totally fair, but you know. It, all things considered, I think we both feel like we got a good deal. I, it sounds like that's the same deal with you too. So you know, uh, uh, pretty much. I mean, I definitely, you know, like I'll cook a real nice meal, and she comes in and picks up her phone and starts sending work texts and looking at her like, "You bitch, <laughs> like, yeah, you sit right. down and you talk to me over this meal." Right, right. <laughs> you know, like like full housewife. But like, right. there have been times when she like she comes home like late from work and I'm sitting there tapping my foot like, "Well, you know, your dinner's yeah. ice cold, so you know." Yeah. You you, you you guilt trip her a little bit. You should. And she deserves to be guilt tripped for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, but, you know, we make our we make, we make these deals. I don't, you know, somebody, when I, I said recently in an interview that I felt embarrassed about how much money I make, and that had nothing to do with me being a dude 
making way less than my wife. It had everything to do with, with um, God, you know, you guys are all going to say that I'm like this authority figure in surf and, you know, and I, and I, and I'm the historian and I, I've been around forever and I'm this, you know, and, and fuck, I can't even make, I make, you know, I was making less than I was as an intern it's surfer in 1985, and so the embarrassing part wasn't it had nothing to do with the the male female imbalance in the income between my wife and I. It had everything to do with I've I've worked so hard in this in this career, and how is it that I can't even make a tiny little living? And I've made a lot of dumb choices and you know things I've done, but still, it just seemed like I'm not saying anyone owed me anything. It just felt like it felt like my position was felt high enough that I ought to be able to earn just a modest living, you know. And so that was the that's what I meant by the embarrassing part. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do. I'm I'm totally fine with not being the uh, the breadwinner. See, I, the way I, I look at it, and I think this might just be you know my own delusion to get through the day, but I you know I think we all provide a somewhat worthwhile service, and it doesn't earn any money. So God damn it, we deserve patrons. And that's just that's just how it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, again, going back to what you know, what the new, what the new media landscape is going to look like. I mean, you know, um, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's all going to shake out, and, and people will pay us to write what we write and, and be who who we're who we are. I mean, I I don't know. You know, you and I, I mostly what I do is is so different from what what you did. Um, but good, you know, both good, I think, in their own in their own ways. And people are just, you know, the, the fact that everybody's sort of getting it for free and expecting it for free, um, maybe that'll change um, at some point. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm terrible at predicting uh, where shit's going. I, I don't, I don't, I can't. I'm not very good at that at all. Um, but all I can say is, you know, again, this the ground is shifting beneath us, and the magazines are folding, and publishing is not doing well in any way shape or form and people are always going to want to read interesting well-written stuff and and hopefully someone will be there to pay us to do it i think it's all going to come back around once they uh, automate every job possible and the only stuff that humans create anymore is like creative shit right yeah hopefully it'll so, happen in my lifetime i mean maybe not because right. they'll become a bad stuff but right you know that's one thing you can't really replace the, somebody who can come up with clever words yeah, weren't just, you the one? Weren't you the one also that wrote on um, on Beach Grid a while back that that what a surf part of what a surf writer's job is to do now is to um, is to be part of to get involved to get down in in the thread and to and to talk to talk to people. So you're not just writing from on high here and, and handing it down for people to read. You write it and then you know step step one is writing it and then step two is having is the conversation that follows if you're lucky enough to have people that whether they're engaged enough to, to was that you that wrote that i think it was I, I have honestly i have i have a tendency i forget what i've written the moment i'm done with it i just well, kind of I, I kind of move on well no you it was your you wrote it for sure i'm, I'm remembering this pretty I'm more clearly now and i and i thought i was it was a little scary to me because i'm uh i don't feel like i'm anywhere near at my best in a in a thread or or in, in sort of short bursts back and forth but i thought that you were right that that's part of what the job is now is to is to put it out there and then defend it or or answer questions about what you've just written and 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 just engage and 
And um, I thought you were always really good at that on, you know, on Beach Grid and Charlie's good about it. And so, yeah, that's that is part of it. And that's, you know, again, you can't do that with, um, uh, you know, the computer can't do that for you yet. Yeah. So that's us. And people, you know, people, people like to feel connected. And I'll admit, though, it's it's right. it's, it's something it's a valuable part of it. And it's something you have to do. It's not my favorite part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, a, there's occasional times when it's like, man, this is. This is some truly hateful stuff people are writing. <laughs> Jesus well, I don't, Christ, yeah. guys! <laughs> I don't. I don't respond to the hateful stuff. I guess I'm more thinking in terms of like somebody will take something I said and question it. You know, in a, in a, you know, in a, in a way that doesn't demean me or something. And you have to. I think you know you're obligated to reply. And if somebody else says, "Well, what about this? Did you forget about this?" Well, no. I you know. I mean, you just have to sort of get in there and. I don't know. I feel like that's just part of the uh, that's just part of the game right now. Sometimes I love it, and sometimes also. But if you know, if it gets if it gets ugly, I'll I, I just I'll just step out. Mm. Um, I, I'm not gonna. I've never. I've never got in there and really swung, duped it out with anybody. Um, and you don't either. It's funny for for as kind of as as um, as sort of aggressive as you've been in your, in your writing, I've always noticed that in the comments part, um, you never seem, you know, that's, that, that feels like you're, that, that's a calmer voice. That's a calmer, calmer version of you than sometimes comes out in the articles that you do. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a complicated man, <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, I, I, I don't see a lot of value in fighting with people, especially when it's like, look, man, you know, I, I, I put myself out there. I write that. I, 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 I share some overly personal stuff sometimes, so it's like, fuck, man, it's there. Like, read it. Like, I don't, you know, if, if I have to spend a ton of time explaining what I've written, then I think that it just sucked. Right. You know, like, I shouldn't I shouldn't have to, I, that shouldn't be necessary, because it's like, well, you know, like, I found out with, like, writing, somebody reads it, and I'm like, oh, no, no, but this and this, it's like, wait, okay, I got to start over again, because if I'm explaining right. it to you, this is fucking right. terrible. Right, um, right, right. And, and I have a, you know, and I, I, I have a temper, so I... You know, that's why I pr- typically prefer to correspond via email and, you know, Facebook and stuff, because it's like, all right, I can think my words through. I don't fly off the handle and just go with my first emotional response to something, because most of the time it's so fucking overblown. And if I sit and spend 15 minutes, like, taking a deep breath and thinking about where the other person's coming from, it usually makes sense. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, hmm, okay. Well, at least it'll prevent you from doing anything rash, you know. But... So when you have a temper, like, were you ever a, an actual, did you ever get in, like, fist fights and stuff? I spent a period of my life getting in fist fights, yeah. From, like, third grade till my mid-20s. Right, like, right. Just the the fly-off-the-handle, like, right. you know, lunatic kid. And a lot of it was, you know, I, I, had a, I had a fairly unhappy childhood, so right. a lot of it was always feeling like I had to protect myself and, like, everybody's, you know, everybody's always like thinking something bad about me and nobody likes me. And there's a huge, right. I mean, fuck dude, until like a few years right. ago, it's like everybody yeah. hates me. Like I was right. so certain that that was just the reality I lived in, that my wife loved me. Everyone else just barely tolerated me. And I needed to like do kind of cool things in order to redeem my personality enough to get them to tolerate my presence. And, um, right. and, and having it find a finally kind of click for me that that's just fucking insane. Right. That, that is not how things are. I'm actually a pretty, you know, on a personal level, I, I think I'm a nice guy. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I've regretted some of the things I've written because I just, you know, I I've, I've, I forget like the import of my words sometimes. 
Yeah. The, the, the reason the reason why we all love reading reading your stuff, Rory, is that you know you're clearly you're you're going way out on 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 branches, and you're I, I always felt like you know you're the guy that's actually taking the most chances, and 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 that you know the 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 um, the performance that you're putting on out there, and I know people say you know. I always kind of sounds lame when people will say that's a risky sort of performance when you're talking about acting or writing or something. But I've seen you do things that, man, I, I'm always just amazed that you can take the chances that you do and put yourself in a position that you do and then bring it back and sort of keep, keep your sort of humanity. And you kind of understand this is who this guy is. Uh, uh, you know, kind of a damaged guy, but also a guy who understands that he is damaged and that is and that is working on it. Like that's, I, I wish I could be sort of more specific. I'd have to have the articles in front of me, but I, I read stuff that you've written, and I'm always kind of thrilled to watch you how far you can go out there and still keep me and I think other people totally on your side, or at least understanding what, where it's coming from. You know, and and I don't know. It's a, it was just a much more complicated performance, I thought, than what we were getting um, anywhere else in surf or anywhere else for the most part in, in, in any kind of writing. And I guess it's because it was coming to us from a surf perspective, uh, you know, I'm paying extra close attention, but uh, um, I don't know. I was always, you know, just blown away and kind of um, awestruck at, at, at the better things that you did on, on beach grit. Well, but thank you, Matt. That, that's that's very nice yeah. of you. I, oftentimes, I feel like I just take the easy way out because I just write about myself ninety percent of the time. Yeah, yeah, but like, that, you know, so what? That's mm-hmm. you know, that's not, that's par for that's par for the course. And it's not so much that it's not whether or not you're writing about yourself. It's whether or not you're doing it in a way that's interesting and in a way that's pro, not provocative, in a way that's uh, complex and and draws us in. And 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 that's that's what you were doing. And I still are. Yeah. Well, it's, just, it's a terrifying thing. You take a step back and you look at it, and it's like, "Fuck, is this who I am?" It's like, "God damn, this is who I am." Like, well, yeah. but <laughs> what's, you know, what's wrong with me? You may have written stuff three or four years ago that is that is you've moved down the track three or four years, so maybe that doesn't read the way it did when you did it. You know, you're you're a different person now than you were there, and so maybe that wouldn't resonate. But you know, that that's probably who you were. I mean, you, it never struck me as being false or that you were sort of making shit up to impress us. It was, uh, you were going to go do this little exploration and it was going to be, you were going to make us laugh as you did it, but it was going to get dark. So it was funny and dark. And then to me, on the best pieces you did, it always came back to being really human and, and um, someone that you wanted to sort of keep spending time with. But I, I, and then I retreat, report, I retreat to my hermit cave and ignore everybody for weeks at a time. But yeah, that's but that's yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I got I got I got to do that, man. Like, no, I, I, I used to work and I I used to work I used to literally put uh, Mexican blankets or just blankets over my windows when I lived in San Francisco because I didn't want any light coming in the room because it, it bugged me. And I, I've at least gone beyond that, but I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's not. Um, that's not incompatible. In fact, you know, there's a lot of people, artists who that's you, you put yourself in a room for a long time, a long enough that when you step outside, it's, it's much more of a, a buzz to step outside because you've been in a room for three days and a blanket covered room or something, you know, like 
there's this whole thing with to get to getting the contrast from what you're doing in front of the computer with no light coming in and you're all inside your head and then you go out and surf or you just step out onto the street and all of that's coming at you in a, in, in much more intense colors and, and sights and, and smells because you've been, you know, in, in sort of this little exile for two or three days. So I, I, that, that I think is just part of the process for a lot of people. And, I, and I'm lucky that I get to literally be alone. A lot. Yeah, no, I, it's nice. Yeah. And your wife is okay with that. And my wife is pretty much okay with it as well. But that, that being said, I'm, I'm now really conscious of, again, um, six o'clock when Jody gets home, I'm done. I, I give her a glass of wine. She makes dinner for Teddy, and then at 6.45, she and I sit down together, and Teddy's not allowed to come hang out with us, and we just spend a half hour um, in, the, you know, in, the, in, the, in the twilight just talking about our days. And, that, and I never don't have that time with my wife every day now. So I, I don't go days in, in a row anymore without the contact the way I could. How, how old are you, Roy? I am 37. So yeah, you know, when I was 37, I was still capable of of of, of disappearing for two or three days, um, and I, I don't do that anymore. So you know, when you're I'm 20 years older than you are, and you'll 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 you just, you just keep evolving, and you'll just keep figuring out how to make the solitude work for you, and also how to break out of that and go be with people, because you have to be with you know, you have to be with people. Um, <laughs> It's and it's it's really funny. Something that's helped me get better at this, like, because it used to be connecting with people was like exhausting for me and just the most terrifying thing on earth. And um, I've discovered like a really late in life love of LSD. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I and for that. some reason, just like that, it's like, and it's, I'm not like taking it every day, but like that, uh, you know, it gives you that kind of connection to humanity feeling, like when you're peaking. Right. And right. the fact that it, it hung around, like after I stopped. Like it, right. it's when I'm sober, like that's still there. Like I don't, I don't feel like I'm always this like just kind of island floating through the world anymore. Like I can actually, you know, not just you know, because I, I, I learned how to you know go through the motions and you know pretend, you know, and I think I did it effectively. But it's finally, it's finally sticking for me. You know, but like if, it was, it was rad. About, have you been reading about where like, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of studies now that are saying that that LSD ought to be put back in use as for for therapeutic reasons and, and just for what you're just for what you're saying and the amazing thing that they sort of are, are sort of learning is that you don't just have this experience while you're high on it that that you're actually um making connections and having realizations that will continue to to be healthy for you you know in in, in weeks and months afterwards so you can actually kind of change the way you uh behave around people or feel about people with you know this sort of semi-regular dosing which you know unlike alcohol which the minute you're done being drunk you just feel like shit and why did i do that yeah <laughs> you come off an lsd high and and retain some of the positive experiences that happen i'm not saying you know I, i'm should you know maybe i should be careful i i'm just reporting what i've read i haven't i haven't taken uh, hallucinogenics in a long 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 time Although my experiences when I did were were also positive, but but there's just a, there's as you're finding out, I think there's a there's a plus side to this that no one seems to want to talk about because the minute you say LSD, you know you're thinking about people um, trying thinking they can fly, jumping off brownstones and shit, which you know that's a different yeah. thing. So, 
Yeah, of course. Well, I, I, th- I think for me it's just because, you know, like I, there is an objective reality like out there, but I, I think that we're all incapable of recognizing it at all. So like because of that, I can kind of look at, you know, my behavior and the life I lead and stuff, and it's all just kind of this, it's all based on my perspective. Right. So, you know, so when shit, when I can shift that perspective and hang on to it, like I feel good because even, it's like, look, I, you know, I, I write about surfing for a living, you know, my... I have a I have a rack of surfboards. I have a, a rack of spear guns. I my hobbies are the ones that I've wanted to do my entire life. You know, I spend you know like on the weekend in a boat with my buddy off the coast of Kauai going to shoot fish, and it's just I have these like amazing like holy shit my life is unreal moments. And then a couple hours later I'll be driving home just like this fucking sucks. I hate my life. God fucking damn it. What's wrong? Why why do I always feel this way? And um. It's finally like it, that's going away a little bit, man. It's this this weight that's been on my shoulders my entire life, this just constant dread and gloom and unhappiness, and being able to shed it. Like I just, it's it's dumb because it's like I wish I could have done it twenty years ago. It was such a simple, it was such a simple thing to realize that it's like, man, like you just you only feel this way because you because you just have chosen to. Like why why are you doing this? Why are you torturing well, yourself? Um, all these happiness or contentment studies that have come out lately sort of say that is apart from health issues so if you can just continue being healthy so don't fuck your ear up another time but if you yeah. can just sort of stay healthy um, you learn enough as you go that your your 40s will you'll be more content with your life than in your 30s and your 50s even more than your 40s so I'm and this has been this was sort of my experience and I think it'll be yours because you sound like you're on the same track you know you you just become less hard on yourself and you just become better at making all the little tiny adjustments that will get you through a day without having those darker feelings. And, and you know, my fo- my 40s were an improvement over my 30s and my 50s have been an, an improvement over my, my 40s. So um, and that's, you know, and that's with a lot of, a lot less of what people think would be make me happy. I ride a lot less good waves now than I used to. And I don't go to parties like I used to. And I. I don't. Um, I'm not chasing thrills or anything the way I used to. But you'll find the contentment will come from smaller things, and it ends up, you know, it, in the overall ends up. You just end up with a more sort of even state of feeling good about things. Um, and you know, as far as you know, bringing surfing back into that, like, what I really want to do now is not surf well or not impress anybody the way I always wanted to when I surfed a lot. But I sure would like to surf, you know, maybe when Teddy goes off to college and we can move somewhere warm. I would love to surf on the, you know, on the regular again. I would love to surf for 45 minutes a day or even just body surf for 45 minutes a day to make just just so I could have that small thing in my life. I don't need to get any more um, deep tube rides. I don't need to go ride uh, a 40-second point wave. I sure would love to just get in the water and ride a few waves and feel the, you know, the ocean move through my body on the regular again. That that's what I would like to do. And so these are these little things that you, and that's a different thing than how I would have thought about surfing ten years ago or twenty years ago. So, you know, I I do think we just sort of keep getting better and we keep learning. And and I don't know that maybe that this is just the remnant high from me having just had a you know i've survived a near-death experience with my career so i'm feeling very good about things but i really do think that you just make sort of better choices all the way through as you get older and if you can just keep the health part of it 
going. Um, the contentment just the, the contentment index just seems to kind of inch up. So, Matt, how how old is your son? He's eight. He's he's eight years old. So, does he has he kind of does he know who you are? A little bit. He's just at that age where he kind of knows that some people are famous and some aren't. So he'll Teddy will say to me like, "I'm one of the most famous kids in my school because he had his picture in the newspaper once, you know." And so he knows that um, I'm on the internet and he's seen pictures of me in magazines and stuff. But um, he's he's definitely not going to be a surfer. Yeah, that that was going to be my question. Like, if he's no, like, "Dad, no, I want to no, be a surfer," are you going to get behind no. that? I, the, the the one time I took him surfing last year in Mexico in warm water and small waves, he just doesn't. He's 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 pretty timid. He um, he's I, and and I was too, but I also had, I I think I was more. He's embraced his kind of nerdiness in a way that I I kind of fought it. So I was deep down pretty nerdy, um, but I fought it because that's what you did in the '60s, you know and. In 2017, he can just be the the little bookworm that he is, and he's perfectly happy to be that person. And 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 I'm also kind of stoked in a way that he's not going to be a surfer. Which obviously, living in Seattle, it wasn't in the cards. But even if we were living somewhere close to the beach, I think I would kind of hope he wasn't going to be because I'm living pretty much through my son in some ways, and I don't want to relive what I what I had done, you know, I don't, I would, I can't imagine driving my kid to surf contests or club meetings or taking him to surf movies or something. I, I don't, you know, I, I'd rather let him be in chess club or debate club or, or anything else that I didn't do. Because if I'm going to live vicariously through my son, give me a different life to live than the one I've already experienced, you know? So I'm so far, he's, he's had completely different interests than I did. And I'm stoked with that because I get to, you know, experience that along along with him. It's it's funny it's, that's what I said because like I was not into surfing as a child, did not like it, absolutely fucking terrified of the ocean. And but my dad didn't really give me a choice. I was like, you're you're gonna surf with me. And you know, looking back, I kind of I appreciate it a little bit. You know, the ocean yeah. is this awesome, majestic thing, and having right. spent my life learning about it, it's it's a really fulfilling. You know, knowing that. Again, that just in conditions that will like kill the average person. I go out and I right. play, and it's not even serious. You know, right. that's that that's absolutely amazing. But yeah, I sometimes think it's like, well, I wonder, I wonder what would have would have been like. You know, because I'm not particularly athletic. I don't I don't have the world's best coordination, and you know, like surfing, it's it is it's something that's like, fuck, how much is this was forced on me? Like, how much of this? Like, what would it be like if I had, you know, spent my you know, teens and twenties actually learning shit instead of just completely focused on this one activity that really pulls you out of life because you're just, I, you sit in the ocean and stare at the horizon. That's what you no, do. I, but I think that's just what you need to do, Rory. And that's probably what I needed to do it sometimes too. And I, my sense from, you know, and again, I, I mostly just know you from the, from through your writing is that there's a lot of people who I feel that, um, surfing, if it, if it didn't save them, it at least, was a hugely positive thing in their lives. And I, I get that really strongly through, through your writing that, that I think you, you know, I don't want to, I can't, I don't want to put you on the couch or anything really, but my, my sense is that surfing and especially just the ocean is, has been your, um, your refuge, you know, just the way it was for Tom Blake and the way it was for Tom Curran and, and 
there's a lot of people who I feel would have been really lost had they not come into surfing and and again excuse excuse the 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 dime store psychoanalyzing but I think that you're one of those people I mean I guess I get that because a lot of it's just like shutting up the voice you know just like totally. oh, just like stop thinking for a minute the thing that you wrote about diving where the thing that you liked about being down that deep was that you couldn't that you shut off you shut off your the voice in your head that, that's that was the most one of the most powerful things that you ever written and that's a place that every now and then I get to with my surfing if I'm usually when I'm at a point the times that I was surf my best and that I felt the most um the closest I was going to get to me doing it the way it's supposed to be done is if I'd surfed for five or six hours and I was on the verge of complete collapse. I was so exhausted, but the waves were still good and there was no fucking way I was going in. And there were times there where I was just almost floating and I was, I'd surfed so much better than I would when I had all my energy and strength. And I was, it was just, you know, again, on the verge of collapse and everything was just, involved with keeping my arms moving and um just staying in some kind of flow you know and and that's the feeling that i think you have when you're really deep on a dive or probably also when you're really tuned into your surfing and um those were the moments that were the peak moments of my whole of my whole surf life was when i was completely as furthest out of my head as i could get and i think it's, i think it's a really common thing with surfers you know, and, and I, I think, think it has to be why so many people I are so... I there very often, man. I don't know. I don't I mean it may be common, but God, it was, you know, years could go by be, between me getting to that place. Well, but it's, I mean, it's 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 kind of like chasing a high, though. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that part for sure. Surfing surfing is the most fun when you're terrible at it. Like, when you're right. when you're just starting out, like, that's really, uh, you know, it's, I think it's like, I kind of envy, like, people who started surfing as adults. I, I agree. Because yeah. you just accept it's like, well, I'm never going to be very, very yeah. good. So it's not about like being a good surfer. It's just about like surfing and, and having fun. And, you know, I, I lose sight of that sometimes. But, but let, let me say this. And this, this is I, I actually got a roll pretty soon. But this is the one topic I wanted to get into before we okay. before we shoot on is that uh, the difficulty of it and the um, the rarity of those moments that are that are, you know, trans transcendent that this is why i have a problem with the with with the wave pool with the artificial surf is because i think it's um sort of against sort of all that i really deep down love about surfing is that if it's sort of served up to you on a on um you know on the on a credit card tray and 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 i think that we're better off right we're certainly more interesting the only thing that makes surfers unique i think is is the difficulty of it, and, and and in a sense, the suffering. You know, all the all the <laughs> shit we go through to find those few moments where it works, where it clicks. And and if you can if you can call somebody up and 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 order up your six perfect waves for this date at this time at this location, um, you've you've just you've kind of done this weird end around on on all of what made surfing unique and special and bizarre and strange and different. And it's not that it's bad. It's just, you've just turned it into a skate park or you've turned it into uh, a half pipe or something. And the uniqueness of surf had to do with how hard it is and how rare it is. And 
I, you, no one's going to put that. You're not going to put that uh, artificial wave back in the bottle ever. It's 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 from now on, and it's going to take many different shapes and forms. And it is what it's going to be, um, or it's about to. It, it is now what it's about. It's going to. It's about to become a much bigger thing. But I and I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that, that the people that have come up with this have done anything wrong. I'm just kind of lamenting that who we were is kind of gone that the person the surfer that we already always kind of knew the, the surfer that we were that won't be the surfer of the future because the surfer of the future will be able to tap into perfect surf whenever they, they want well okay and and i get where you're coming from here but let me like play devil's advocate just just a little bit yep because I did, there's this part of me that wants to like really poo-poo um, wave pools, but on one hand, I, I'm just I'm astonished at the feat of engineering that that totally. that yeah. Kelly's wave is. I mean, that is they built an actual wave in a pool. Like that is that to me is just astonishing. And, and humans are so clever and brilliant, and that's right. so so cool that they pulled that off. Right. But like as far as the as far as like surfing culture goes, and you know our identities as surfers, I could kind of see it being you know once once the kinks are ironed out almost a good thing because you know to me like my identity as a surfer has always been this kind of like dirtbag weirdo who just doesn't really fit in you know those were always my heroes as surfers and, and so many of like our, our icons were people who were like that right but as surfing has gotten more I, I don't like using the word corporate but kind of you know more more right. obsessed with competitive results and stuff it's that's taken over what surfing is now, not everybody's going to have access to wave pools, and it isn't surfing. It looks like the most fun on earth, but it's not the same thing as you know being able to read you know the wind and the current and understand what tides are doing, and you know understanding if you find yourself in a bad situation on a big day. Okay, here's how it's going to take me a half hour, but here's how I'm getting in. Um, so, what if that split happens? You know, if we get people who are just you know like skateboarding is a perfect example. You know the half pipes parks and stuff like that built like the park rat kids you know they have the right. uh, the ryan shecklers and um i mean i can't think of anybody else but just the the kids who approach that and then on the street side of skateboarding it still is like a raw artistic right, right. kind of scumbag pursuit and right. i'd like surf surfers to be scumbags again a little bit you know i guess i i i think the i think the way where the analogy to skate falls apart a little bit is that is that they either can already or they're about to be able to make better waves than you could find in nature. So I don't know. Kelly's wave, I think, is 40 seconds or something. And there's no reason why you couldn't make it three minutes. It's just, it's just the size of the of the pool. And it peels perfectly. I mean, you know, it's if there are better waves out there, um, it's so crowded or it's so far, it's so remote that it almost doesn't matter. You know, maybe, who knows, maybe Snapper is better on its day, but... God, you can't get a you, know, you can't so 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 let's just say that Kelly has outdone nature. Uh, and if you you know if you if you take a, a tight shot of somebody riding a wave at Kelly's at Kelly's pool, it doesn't look at you can't tell that it's it, it looks like an actual wave where the the street skating and, and, and park skating are just really different things and, and the and the, the artificial wave that Kelly's made is close enough to what we all dream of of being as a, of a perfect wave that it it doesn't seem to be separate it seems to to me anyway kind of replace um the, that that perfect wave you've got an actual viable 
robotic replacement that, you know, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people, especially if you're aging like I am and have enough money, like, like I wish I had, but you just would give up the ocean to surf perfect waves where you don't have to paddle. You don't have to, you just sit there and wait, let it come to you and, and ride it. And it seems really attractive to me. And I, and I kind of wish it, it weren't because I still feel that, you know, we ought to not have it served to us the way it's going to be served to us. Yeah. But I, but surfing is, uh, surfing is more than just standing on the wave and riding it. You know, like there's the fulfillment, like putting your head down and battering out through like a consistent beach break or even, you know, just being being in the right spot when that the best wave of the day swings a little bit wide. You know, those are those are what make it so special. And once you remove that from it, I don't know if surfing's quite as addictive and fulfilling. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to I guess we're going to we're going to find out. And (laughs) I'd like to sort of see where it all ends up. But um I'm I'm disturbed I'm disturbed by it and also incredibly drawn to it at the same time. So I'm still in this period where, and, and there's been nothing else like it in my, I you know I've been looking at surfing since '66 or something, and nothing else that's happened in surf even comes close to having the kind of ramifications or fascination that that Kelly's wave does for me anyway. It just seems like it's just changed everything and. Yeah, I'm glad to be able to. I, I want to be able to sort of stick around and comment and see how it how it all goes. Yeah. Well, I think the big the big crucial thing that remains to be seen is whether or not they can make it like a profitable endeavor. That's a whole yeah. That's a different thing. Because, well, because if they can't build them and run them like everywhere, right. then this right. is always going to be just an elite athlete training facility. Right. And right. in that context, it could make you know performance surfing pretty cool. Like we could start yeah. seeing kickflips once you can try it over and over and over again. Like right. you might start seeing some mind blowing stuff. Hey Roy, hold the phone one sec. I got. I'm gonna be right back. Like, okay. All right. We can edit out my pee break. <laughs> That's right. I was wondering, like, if he's going, to, if he's going pee, you need to close the door. Cause I've had so many people pee on this, and oh, then I pick the mic picks it up. That's <laughs> pretty fun. No, I had to go down the hall, so. <laughs> Um, okay, I, I have a few more minutes, and I better roll. Okay, well, actually, I was going to say, I think that that is just the last little exchange is a great note to end it on. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, okay. I'm happy. I'm really happy with how this turned out. I am too. You know, I don't know. Do we stray too far from the surf? I hope not. I think people want to hear about all that stuff. I mean, I, I kind of feel like as long as people know that it's two surfers, two, you know, two two people who love surfing can are allowed to go as far away as they want because surfing is just underlies everything, you know. And that's kind of what I loved about so much of your writing was that you didn't have to talk surf it mattered that you that surfing is a huge part of your life therefore I'll allow you to go anywhere you want to you know as long as at some point you just make a a a glancing reference to surf then you were good so I think I don't care that we went all over the place where we went. I think that's for the that's, better. That's yeah, that's what I try to do. I mean, you know, right. like I, I don't know if you ever read Big Brother Skate magazine when it came out. But that to me was like the like they didn't talk about skateboarding at all, ever. Right. It was just like, it's like, okay, well, this is what skateboarders do. Also, here's some pictures of skateboarding. And, you know, there's nothing, there's, as far as the act itself, there's nothing I can deliver that isn't, uh, that a picture or video can't beat. Well, you know, the reason I like talking about the, the the reason I'm so ready to talk about the cost of surfing or the hard parts about surfing or the, the friction inherent to it is... That's the only part that's really interesting. Anything else you want to know about how great it is, 
how beautiful it is, how transporting it is, how thrilling it is. All that is right there in the pictures of the video. You don't need anyone to tell you any about of any of that stuff. And, and the, it's so funny because to me, like, you know, surf media through the decades has always been this thing where they're sort of applauding, you know, aren't, isn't surfing great and aren't we great for doing it? And who gives a shit? I mean, Dude. of course it is. Look at it. You know, you in the first five minutes of Endless Summer, you know how great surfing is, right? Mm -hmm. But all the stuff about what, you know, how, how, again, about the difficulty or about the, you know, the, the relationships you've, you've messed up or the jobs you've lost or, or the, just how uh, retarded it can make your development. Like, I, I, I don't mean retarded. I mean, how it can literally... Well, retarded in the literal sense. I understand exactly what you mean. You know, in, in the... Yeah, so it's like... I remember, again, at, at about 27 or 28 going, wow, I'm really feeling like I'm lagging behind in, whenever I'm talking to my family, my brother and my parents and some of their friends because, you know, they'd all gone on to college and they'd all gone to have careers and I had really stuck to my thing and suddenly thinking, what do I have to do right now to try to catch up? And that, you know, so it's like, I'm going to subscribe to the paper and I'm going to get the New Yorker and I'm going to, and eventually that led me to leaving surfer and going back to, to college. So surfing can, can, you know, there's a cost there. And I, and I find that part of it fascinating because I wouldn't change a thing. I'm so glad I found it. I'm so glad I immersed myself in it, but I'm also so glad that I was at least aware enough to understand that you have to take steps to, you know, make up for all the, for all those obsessive years where you didn't do anything but surf. You're, you're, you're obviously neglecting all these other parts of your life and you're neglecting huge parts of the world that are, that are worthy of your attention. So, um, you know, I had to do a lot of years of, of makeup work. Yeah. I, I got, I got real lucky that my wife's always been very supportive of, of whatever I'm spending my time doing. Because yeah, if I had fucked that up, oh, man. But she would also kick your ass if she thought you weren't. I mean, she would also say to you, you've got to stretch a little bit here. You can't just, wouldn't she? I mean, I would hope. Oh, yeah, she yeah. She, well, she's the driving force behind everything I do. I just mean to the point that, I mean, so I'm going to be, it's our 18-year anniversary is coming up soon. Jeez, good for you. Man. Yeah, I've, I've spent literally my entire adult life with this woman. She's my right. best friend. I love her more than anyone I've ever met. So, like, right. looking back, like, if I had fucked that up somehow... Yeah, financial stuff aside, you know, when I met her, no. she was, she, my wife was a high school dropout. Like right. I did not plan the situation I'm in right now. I just forced right. gumped my way through life. And right. like you right. said, with I, it's like on one hand, I feel like I got lucky, but on the other hand, it's like, man, but nobody gets this lucky, right? right. right. <laughs> What's right. going on? I need to buy a lottery ticket. Well, good luck to both of us. Right. I mean, here we are and, and we're still doing what we want to do. And, and I, I do, the Forrest Gump thing seems so apt to me. I just sometimes, again, this is why I just get tongue-tied talking to anyone who asks me for advice because you couldn't, you couldn't outline what's happened to me or with you. It just, you take, you hopefully can recognize a, um, an opportunity and take it and, and uh, then, you know, work hard and then trust that some, you know, if you, if you do good work, someone's going to want to pay attention. And that's it. The last episode of Everything is Always Terrible for 2017. I, I, I kind of can't believe I kept it going on this long. Um, I'm enjoying doing it. It's a little bit more difficult now with the stab gig because you know, I actually have shit to do. And the whole point of this was, I mean, I say it was talk to people I admire and, and they're interesting. And, and that was true. 
But there's also the fact that I was unemployed for a little bit, and that gets a bit depressing. If you don't have a hobby project to kind of keep your spirits up, shit can get dark. At least my shit can get dark. Although, you know, honestly, um, been a lot less dark. I I did not want to go to therapy. I, I've talked about that before. I was not, not stoked on it. But, man, it's fucking working, dude. I don't know what to say about that. Like it, you know, makes me feel maybe a little bit like less of a man. Like it's like, Oh, well I could have taken care of these problems myself. And why didn't I? And you know, I think I could have, but man, it would have, it would have been over a course of years rather than what seems to be months at this point. Yeah. I, I feel kind of balanced. I, I feel happy. I feel like the future holds good things for me. Um, and you know, and I, I gotta say, if, if you're struggling with, you know, mental health shit, which Lord knows I do, Fuck, dude, just 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 bite the bullet and go. Just just find find a therapist that you can talk to. Get in there, chat, work through your shit. Because you know, so much of it's just them pointing out the stupid shit that you do, and it's it's so simple. But like everything, you know, the simple shit's like the hardest shit. And and, and yeah. Now while my life's getting better, I you know, God only knows where our country's going. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not not particularly stoked about that. I know that, you know, there's a lot of right-wing people out there who are super, super happy to see, you know, people living in fear and, and hurting because, you know, I think that's what motivates them, you know, their unhappiness with their own life and the desire to make others suffer because, you know, if you push other people down, it, you know, you doesn't bring you up, but, you know, perspective, you know, it, it seems a little bit better and, and, and I can relate to that and Jeebus knows I've been guilty of it in the past, but it's just not the right thing to do. So, you know... If you're going to make a New Year's resolution, you know, can I can I urge you to just have it be more compassionate? You know, realize that, you know, your problems shouldn't hurt other people. And just because your life isn't going the way that you'd want it to, that's no reason to kick other people into the gutter. And, you know, maybe, maybe think about the fact that if you espouse the viewpoint that, you know, everybody should take care of themselves and, and no one deserves help, no one's entitled to help... You better hope to fucking God that nothing bad ever happens to you because, you know, everybody around you should really just step aside and, and let you suffer because that's that's what you want, right? That's that's the system you want to live in. I don't really know what the point of this is, except to say that, you know, happy holidays. Hope 2018 goes a little bit better than 2017. And as always, here is Biff Rose to take us out.
happening The dragons have been bled Loveliness is everywhere Fear's just in your head Fear is in your head Only in your head Fear is in your head So forget your head And you'll be free The writing's on the wall If you choose, just remember, lovers never lose, cause they are free of thoughts unpure, and of thoughts unkind, gentleness can clear the soul, love cleans the mind and makes it a free.